James Taylor song called Home by Another Way. Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for Christmas and what it means that you've come. We are like the wise men. We want to know where you are. We want to find you. And we want to know what it means now that we found you. As we head into a new year, we want to walk with you well. And we know that your word has much for us there. So even tonight, God, would you... Would you make some things maybe clearer in our mind? Uh, Set us on a journey with you that will be uh, more fulfilling, more fruitful maybe than ever. That we grow in our discipleship, we grow in our knowledge of you, but also grow in our effectiveness of being your follower so that other people also might rejoice in the fact that Jesus is real and Jesus is true. So thank you for this time together. Thanks for everyone who's here. And uh, we just pray, God, again, that your uh, Holy Spirit would work in us. Teach us tonight, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. So, the wise men story, uh, I confess I've preached on it before. Uh, It's one of those stories that pops up pretty regularly in the life of the church. And so there's lots of ways you could go. You could talk about, why in the world did God take astrologers? How how did the astrologers figure out the Messiah was there, but the chief priests didn't? That's a great topic. Um, What about the, the political realities of of Herod and the Roman Empire and occupation and the threat of a new king and the possibility of political uprising. That, that'd all be cool. We could break down gold, frankincense, and myrrh and how important that is. But I heard this James Taylor song over the holidays and I thought, that grips me. And so I'm, I, I, I'm sure you heard the tune, but you might not have heard the specific lyrics, but listen to some of these. Those magic men, the magi, Some people call them wise or oriental, even kings. Well, anyway, those guys, whatever they are. And that's really profound because we really don't know. Were there three? Were they kings? Were they wise? Were they kind of smart? Were they, we don't know their SAT scores. We don't know anything about these guys really. Anyway, those guys, they visited with Jesus. They sure enjoyed their stay. Then warned in a dream of King Herod's scheme, they went home by another way. They went home by another way. Maybe me and you can be wise guys too and go home by another way. Herod's always out there. He's got our card on file. You have to figure that God's saying, play the odds and go home by another way. We got this far by a lucky star, but tomorrow is another day. Keep a weather eye to the chart on high and go home by another way. Anyone else think that's kind of interesting? It's an interesting insight because... It makes me think, well, how did they get there in the first place? How did these guys who many people think were from Iran, across the desert from Israel, from Bethlehem, how how did they get there? What, What made them want to go or feel like they should go, not only to go on a long trip, but an expensive one because it cost them significant gifts? For a king that isn't theirs, in a land that isn't theirs, to offer worship to a God that really isn't even a part of their religious system, what, what, what was the point? What, what propelled them to go to Bethlehem in the first place? And then once they got there, how did they know that they should go back by a different way? What? Where did they get their directions? How did they know God's will for their life? That's one of the big questions we all face. What am I supposed to do? Some of you are thinking that this year. It's 2019. What am I supposed to do this year? Just 2018 over again? 
Or is, does God have something for me? Or should I change jobs? Or should we move? Or should I start and finish that fitness program during the next week that I've been thinking about? Or whatever your, your resolution is, I resolve to live, how do we know what to do? How did they know? And how did they know how to return? So it got me thinking this week about just ways that we know what God wants us to do. And what are those ways? So forgive, it's a, it's a poor graphic. This is just me clicking and dragging on some stuff. So bear with the imagery, but go ahead. Uh, sorry about that. This is, this is me standing in the middle. I have questions in my life. And there, there are four main categories I want you to consider with me. As we, I, I'm, I'm going to go into the ethereal here. We'll bring it back to the Magi in just a moment. The bottom one is this. God is sovereignly control, in control of everything, right? God is God. He's controlling all things. In fact, it says in the book of Colossians, not, not going to actually turn there, Colossians 1.17, in him all things hold together. He's like the binding force in the universe. Uh, it says in Romans 8.28, for, for God, God makes all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purposes. So God is like this an incredible orchestrator. He controls nature. He controls orbits. He controls everything that's going on inside your body. He controls political systems. He's, God is, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain who is controlling everything that we see. And so much of God's sovereign control we'll never know, we'll never understand. So when we go to God with a, with a prayer, like, God, could you please have this happen? We don't know what we're talking about because we don't know all the different ramifications of everything else that's going on in the world and how that one thing could push another thing. And So we just don't know. God knows. So God is sovereignly in control, and we do not dictate that. We respond to that. That's just the way it is. God is in control. But what God has done is he's placed us now in the center where we have a wide array of choices that we get to make in our life, right? God's in control, but we have choices to make. And it says in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, the way is wide to destruction, and many people take that way. But there is a straight and narrow path. And throughout the scripture, uh, the word of God is proclaimed. In fact, I'm, I am going to read this one. This is in Psalm, Psalm 19. If you want to turn to it, you may. Uh, certainly don't need my permission. But uh, the psalmist says this. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Because we need wisdom in our decision making. The precepts of the Lord are right. Rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned. In keeping them there is great reward. So the psalmist understands that God is in control, but I'm kind of a free agent in this world, but I have the word of God giving me guidance to a straighter and more narrow path, a better way to live, because left to my own, what does it say in the Proverbs? There's a way that seems right to a man, but that way leads to death. Do you know that proverb? So 
when people say, you hear it on the news all the time, you know, you know, I like to think of God as being like this. Well, you know, there's a way that seems right to you. But what you need to do is respond to what's really true. And what's really true is in the word of God. And it's, it's a way by which we can go through life and live well. So that's on the sides. On the top is a declaration of God. This has never happened to me. But it's happening a lot in, in, the, in the Bible. It happens a lot. And in our Christmas story, it happens a lot. It happened to Abraham. Go, leave Ur of Chaldees and go to the land that I have for you. Uh, it happened to Jacob where... Jacob saw a ladder and said, you will be this nation and I'm going to um, be fruitful and multiply and you'll be my nation. Moses, a burning bush, told him what to do. Uh, remember the story of Gideon, where God came to Gideon and goes, this is your army size, this is, this is, this is exactly what I want. It's like God giving specific dictation. And we have this in the Christmas story because we have Mary and Joseph both getting dreams and we have uh, the, the shepherds being uh, stalked by angels out in the wilderness. And we have Simeon getting a word from the Holy Spirit. Now we have Magi who are actually getting words from God. And all this to say, when God declares something, do this, do it. That's God intervening into the world and saying, this has to happen. And I'm telling you to make it happen. Some of you might have a story where God has done that for you. I don't have such a story. I've often been in situations where I thought, God, should I do this or should I do this? What do I do? Could you just tell me? You ever feel like that? Vern, could you just tell me to go to seminary or not? Have you ever thought that? And God, can you just show up burning bush at the foot of my bed? That would be nice because then I'd know. I just want to know. But God only does that on rare occasions. I think, is it, and, and, and sometimes we pray for each other Oh, I have a big decision to make. Oh, I'll be praying for you. What are we praying for? That God will just show up and tell you? That would be great. But in my experience, that happens 0% of the time. And even in the scriptures, it doesn't happen all the time. They get recorded a lot because it's important stuff. But the declaration of God is not all that often. So, so if you look at this, if, if this is true, and then, then the fourth arena is just the arena in the middle because God has released us into a world of decision-making. So we're released. We're a free agent. Now, some people have, have a high, such a high view of the sovereignty of God, God's sovereign control. Some people who would go by the moniker of extreme Calvinist would fall into this, this category who would say, you don't even have any choices. God is just controlling your every step. But my Bible, and Martin Luther's Bible as well, said, uh, no, it seems to me God often puts things in front of us and asks us to make decisions. Like in Genesis, early on in Genesis, where God said, you name the animals. I want to know what you want to name the animals. The Calvinists would say, well, Adam named them exactly what God predestined him to name them because God is in control of all things. I think that's just an overly extreme view of the sovereignty of God. The truth is, I believe, is that God is sovereign over all things, that he, he is controlling all things, and is, and, and is actively doing so personably, which means we can pray to God as he controls all things, 
and he can hear and respond and answer our prayers. By the same token, we are in a world that is broken, but he gives us guidance by the word, says. And it also says in the New Testament that he gives us his Holy Spirit so that we can understand those words and apply them to our life and walk appropriately. And occasionally, maybe, he'll burst in with a megaphone and tell you what to do. But that doesn't happen very often. If that isn't happening very often, and this is unknowable to us, what are we left with? We'll get to that. Let's get back to the story here. Let's start with, actually, let's go to Joseph and Mary. Next slide. Joseph and Mary find themselves in this brave new world, and they're just just engaged. They just want to live out the string. (laughs) They just want to have some kids. Carpentry business in Nazareth can't be bad. Be a nice life. But then stuff starts happening. Well, first of all, we have Mary and Joseph. He's from David's line. He lives in Nazareth. There's a census going on, which is going to send him to Bethlehem. Herod is the king. Uh, The political situation with Egypt. All these things that are going on in their lives, they're all being handled by God. He's sovereign of all those things. How did God get Joseph and Mary down to Bethlehem? Through a census, through controlling of the government. Now you could say, did God control that? Say God's in control of everything. So did God make that happen? I believe that God is in control of everything and use that as a way to fulfill the prophecy that the child would be born in Bethlehem even though he'll be called a Nazarene. How's he gonna do that? Well, he did it. But we also have Joseph and Mary, next one up, They are thoughtful people in their own right, being shaped by truth. The Bible says of Joseph, uh, when he received news that his wife was pregnant, what was he going to do? Divorce her. Because it says he was a just man, or some translations say he was a righteous man. He was a thoughtful man. He said, I have a pregnant wife. What's the best thing I can do right now? Put her away quietly. I don't want to shame her but I can't marry her. And so he was doing the right thing, the best as he knew how. Mary, an angel shows up and says, you're, you're going to be pregnant. And Mary was appropriately fearful. But then the angel explained things. And she said, behold, handmaiden of the Lord, I'll do what you say, which is interesting to me because that's why ca- Catholics love Mary. The Catholic Church really loves Mary because they think that because Mary agreed with the angel, like the whole future of Christianity depended on her saying, being compliant, saying, yes, I'll do what you said. The Calvinists, on the other hand, would say she was destined to do that and it it wasn't really even in her wheelhouse of choice. She was going to bear the child. There's no way that she was going to reject God. And I'm somewhere in the middle where God is in control, but we do need to walk alongside. It's as though God was saying, Joseph and Mary, I'm going to have a child born of you two. It's going to be really hard for you to swallow, and you're not going to get it just by leafing through the pages of Scripture. And this has to happen. And so I'm going to send an angel to tell you because it's so extraordinary and so out there that you need an angel right now. It's the, only, it's the only way. You need the top one. There we go. You need an angel. 
Elizabeth, you're going to need an angel because you're past menopause and you're bearing John the Baptist. Zechariah, you're going to need an angel because you've been struck dumb and, uh, <laughs> and, and you need to be the good father of this child. And it's beyond your comprehension. The shepherds, they got an angel. There was no way in the world they were going to go, hey, maybe we should just go to Bethlehem tonight. They got an angel. Simeon had a word from the Holy Spirit about the coming of the Messiah. So we have these words in the story, and we also have the truth, and we also have the stuff that God is engineering. I, th- I think in, in the Christmas story, what, I, what I'm marveling at this week is God is literally impressive in the story. He says, the fullness of time has come. I need this child born, and I want these Gentile worshipers to come from here, and I want these common worshipers to come from here, and I also want to protect the child. And so it's as though God is orchestrating, and it's just a time and season where God has to, I just have to come in here and go, okay, this is what's happening. Even if it just shakes people to to fear, they need to comply because I'm saving the world here. Could Mary have said, nah, I'm going to get an abortion. Could Joseph have said, no, I'm not going to marry her. Never, never, never. I don't care if it's God or an angel. Or do, when angels show up, do you just kind of go, yes, God. Were they still free to choose? Or were they obliged to do it? I don't exactly know. I I think it's in the middle. But I think this is, for whatever reason, the way God chooses to work is through our participation with his will. This part of his will, the low part, will never know for sure what all the machinery of human circumstances, all that's going on. We can pray about it, but we are never going to know it all. His ways are not our ways, it says in the scripture. These things on the side, the word of God, this is where we can focus our attention and try to live our lives appropriately by the truths that he's given us so that we can be blessed. And the top, I don't think we can wait around for that. But they got it, and that's everything. Let's take a look at the Magi now. The Magi have this story. So they are living in a world. Next picture. Um, they are looking at the stars all the time. They're astrologers. So they're just looking at the constellations. And So when there's a strange star, they notice it. Uh, they're educated, and it's through their education that God is going to use them. Through their customs, what do you do when you go visit a new king? Well, you bring them gold, you bring them frankincense, you bring them myrrh. Why would you do that? Well, it's because it's what we do. So they're a part of their customs. They're a part of their politics and their geography. They're in the region. They, see, they can see the star. They, they can share a, enough of a horizon for that to happen. And then politically, there's got to be a way that these countries can actually interact. So right now, it'd be really hard to go on a trip from Iran to Israel because of the politics. But at that time, under Roman occupation, there was, there was travel and commerce. So all those things orchestrated by God. But then on the side, you have these guys uh, reading ancient texts and doing their astronomical homework. And they're saying, wow, this word says this, and this physical reality is like this, which is going to encourage us to go do this. Why did the Magi go? God didn't tell them to go. We don't have any record of that anyway. It just says, we saw the star, and we've read the books, 
our eyes are open to the reality at hand, including the scriptural reality of the truth. And so we act on that. It was just a really good, smart decision for them to go, which is interesting that so many Jews didn't see it, but they saw it. Once they got there, though, they went and they worshiped, and then we have home by another way. We have God saying, go home by a different direction. Don't go back and see Herod. Right. When God speaks, do it. And that changed their direction. So just, just because I'm, I always do this. I look at the scripture, I go, yeah, but what if, what if, what if, or why, why, why? Why wouldn't God just say, instead of saying, don't go back to Herod, why doesn't God just kill Herod? Or why doesn't God just say, don't worry about it, I'll protect the baby? Or who cares if the wise men get killed? <laughs> why does God choose at sometimes, again, back to, back to James Taylor, we got this far by a lucky star, but tomorrow is another day. Why did God just use their smarts to begin with but then use direct later. Why does God lead in different ways at different times? So that got me curious. This is, and when it comes to life in the church and our individual lives too, so here's where kind of the rubber beats the road. In fact, we'll go to the next slide. Shepherd of the desert. This is us. We have decisions to make as a church moving forward in 2019. You have decisions in your life to make coming up soon. Um, it's easy, I think, if God has done something wonderful for you yesterday to think that that's what God needs to do again today. This is a church killer. Can I just say that? Oh, because God, we had the best youth group back in the 60s. All we need to do is do our youth group just like it was back in the 60s because that's the way God moved and led then And what I see in this story is just a very simple story of, no, God led that way that time, but this is another day, so you need a different kind of leading today. Are you open and ready for the different kind of leading that God has for you? Or are you just going, or the star guys, are they just going, no, we're we're star followers. We we only do things when, because, because God does stars for us. So we'll just wait for another star. You ain't getting a star. You're getting a dream direction. Now get out of here and get back home, but do a different route. No, I'm waiting for a star. I think that I think there are some churches, especially old churches, that had a star day. They had a day when God was really moving and it was everything was fantastic. There was life. And they just think, we've just got to reenact yesterday. Go, no. No, what you need to know is what's God's will for you now for today? Are you ready for a fresh vision from God? So shepherd of the desert, what do we know about shepherd of the desert? Number one, God is at work in ways we'll never know. You have no idea right now what's going on in all of Scottsdale. Is the market going to crash any day now? Oh, of course not. Yeah, probably. You You hear all kinds of people saying different things economically things could change wildly new people are moving in and out of the desert all the time 
the constituency of this church could change dramatically over the next six months just from some more people retiring or some more people relocating or some other people leaving. So that's all mixed. God knows what's going on with all of that. So God, God's moving people. He's changing relationships. He's, even the, the weather. What if, what if just starting next year it was 10 degrees hotter across the board in Scottsdale year-round? This place, everyone's bailing out. I mean, summer is one thing, but that would be terrible. We just don't know. So God is at work in all of these different ways. But then what do we have? We have guidance from the word of God. We have Psalm 19. We have all of this truth that God has said, immerse yourself in these truths so that you can know how to walk in your world. You don't know everything that's going on subterraneally, but you do have the scriptures which give you wisdom to live moment by moment. And then the other thing at the top, I think, you know, especially things like, like the call committee. It's easy for the, the church to say, well, the call committee's over there. They're meeting in a room waiting for God to talk. God will just come down and go, Bob Hansen from Milwaukee. Oh, God, good. Oh, good. We got the call. It's this divine word. When in reality, that's probably not going to happen. And we don't know all the undergirding. We don't have a specific word. It'd be great if we got one. Not, I'm not saying it's not even bad to pray for one. But what we do have is guidance in the word of God. And next slide, just for dramatic. Imp- that's where we need to dwell. And that's where I just, I, I, I just need to say, folks, what should, what should I do in my life? What, what's God's will for my life? I remember, especially when I was in college, I used to think that all the time. What should I do next? Should I do this? Should I do this? So I've, I really believe that we have no idea what the big picture is. And unless God has said this, then I am a free agent and I've got the word of God. And I immerse myself in that truth. Because like it says in Psalm 19, by these words I am warned in keeping them, there is great reward, and there is a straight and narrow path that if I walk in that path, I am hugely blessed. That's all we've got. And so as a church, we can, we can well, let's go to the next slide. I'll wrap this up. Where are you going? Yeah, wrap this up soon, because I don't know what you're talking about. Here's the, the gospel reality of all of this. I just want to encourage you. As Christians... There is a God, and we should be incredibly thankful. Number one, we should be thankful because God controls all things. And he's good. And he loves us. It's all good. Yeah, but there's nations fighting against nations. Yeah, the nations are in the hand of God, it says in the Psalms. Yeah, but the Republicans and the Democrats, uh uh-huh. God can even handle Trump and Pelosi. It's not too big for God. Yeah, but the world and the environmental problems and there's smog and there's poverty and there's famine. God's God's in control. He's good and he knows what's going on. But not only that, we can be thankful for the second thing, that God does declare at times. That's great to know that when God needs to say something, he can and sometimes does. And some of you may have a story where you go, I heard a word directly from God. Do this. Praise God for that. I never get that. That must have been really important and you better have done it because that is legit. Do that. And I'm glad that God, 
You know, the first one, that God is in control of all things, that runs against the deists, the philosophical deists who say God just sort of wound up the universe and then just let it go, but it's pretty disinterested, and now it's just running naturally. No, no. There is no natural apart from the hand of God. God is doing nature. He's controlling it all. He is directly involved in everything. So this idea that God's disinterested in his creation, that is just not true. But the second one is also that, that God declares, God is, God is not so disinterested in us that he goes, oh, I, I gave you a book, but uh, I'm going to leave you on your own. He's like a good parent, help, helping, helping us ride a bike for the first time. And we start to go, oh, it's time for me to run in and save you. If God needs to run in and save us, he will, because he loves us, and he will proclaim a word as needed. But the third thing is, God, um, God does guide. He gives us the word of God. He didn't just leave us adrift in the dark. It's a sinful world, and we're sinful people, but he gives us his word, so we go, now I've got a chance at least to walk through this life. He's controlling everything. I might not get a direct thing, but I have plenty of instruction, and I should value that so that I could live well. And then finally, the fact that God releases us. Aren't you glad that you're not just... I feel like I'm Calvinist bashing tonight. I really don't want to, but we're not just robotic. We're not, we're not just bound to some sort of... There is life. There, we're in play. We have choices. And God loves us and leaves us in play and gives us guidance. We'll scream if he needs to, and he's controlling everything underneath. Isn't that cool? Because now we're right in the middle there and I go, what should I do? Well, that's the next set. First of all, we should be thankful, but now we should live well. God controls, if God's controlling everything, so what should we do? We should intercede. God tells us to pray. Go, why should I pray? Why does it matter? Why? Because God controls everything. You mean, I can say something to the God who controls everything, and he might answer? Yes! Jesus says, ask anything according to my will, and I'll do it to you. Ask anything according to God is at work in ways that we'll never know. Ask. You mean I could ask to be healed from a disease? Yes. Why don't you? Well, I just don't think that he will. Why wouldn't he? Because I'm destined to have it? You don't know that. Because I feel like I'm being selfish to be healed instead of somebody else. God glorifies himself when he heals you. Ask for it. Could God change circumstances in another part of the world? Yes. Then we should pray a lot. <laughs> yes. We should be praying like crazy. One of the main things I think is a huge problem in the church today is that we don't pray very much because I don't think that we think that God can do anything or he won't. But the word of God says he will. But he said, I want you to pray like the old lady just knocking on the door over and over again. Ask, ask, ask. I want you to just be belligerent in the way you pray to me. And we go, no, I don't want to be a bother. Because we're all frosty northern Europeans in the Lutheran church. And we just, we just are stoic and we don't want to be a problem to God. We'll, just, we'll take what comes. God goes, no, don't do that. Beg and plead for what you hope to see. Do it. And don't worry, I won't say yes if I'm at work in ways that you'll never know. And if you ask me for something that's actually bad for you and for a lot of people, I'll say no. Or if I am going to glorify myself in your suffering, I'm going to leave you to suffer. Don't worry, I'm good. God is good. You're not a bother. 
ask, we should. We should intercede. But because God declares, we should also be listening. If you don't have a if, if you believe, first of all, that God declares at times, God actually comes out and says, do this or do that, if you believe that, you better be spending significant time regularly listening for God to do that. Spending time just out of the clutter, I'm going to unplug my phone, I'm going to turn off the TV, I'm not just going to have all this incoming stuff, I'm just going to spend some time so that if God wanted to get my attention at all in the first place, I'd at least give him a moment to do so. And if we wait upon the Lord and say, Lord, speak to me, he might. If he did even once in a bold way, wouldn't that be worth waiting for? That's why the psalmists say over and over again, I wait on the Lord, I wait on the Lord. He renews my strength. I'm open to what you have, God. And the third one, we should be studying like crazy. If the, if the best thing we've got going in terms of knowing what to do tomorrow is a study of the scriptures, we should by now know it inside and out. We should be, you should be joining the pastor's Bible study that starts a week from tomorrow at 1045 that I'll be teaching over here in the youth room. If not there, you should just have personal study. We have access to all kinds of Bible studies and videos, and we should just be immersed in this truth because we know that that's what we've got for the proper living of our life. To, to do anything else, to spend more time watching sports, here I'm preaching to myself right now, watching sports than spending time in the word of God is just asinine. But then the last one, if God has released us into this world to be a free agent, we've got to walk in it faithfully, which means praying and studying and walking in righteousness. God has a, the magi showed up and they listened, they studied, and they listened, and God used them to change the story of salvation. They were a part of it. Same thing with Mary and Joseph. God had a plan. He communicated it to them. They walked in it. I'm telling you, God has a plan for the salvation of the world that includes you. You go, no, no, no. I spectate on Sundays. Somebody is changing the world through the, through the gospel, but me, I just go to church, I sing some songs, and I put in a little offering. Uh uh-uh. uh. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says is you are Mary, you are Joseph, you are the Magi, you're next up. And so you need to be God, what is it? Be prayerful all the time. And God, I'm gonna dig into the text so that as I just walk through this world, I make great decisions and I find myself in the great situations that you have for me because I want to be a part of your enterprise and what you're doing. One of these days, I'm going to be faithful to my promise to you to give you back some more time. And I just don't think it's ever going to happen. So I, can I just repent once of that sin early, and then we'll uh, get on with it. I want to close, though, by, by reading to you uh, a poem that I found this week. A poem about the Magi that I thought was really beautiful. And carries some of these ideas. Look especially for this idea that... that there, there was a thing that happened to the Magi that was sort of magic. And they might be thinking that now it's just back to the mundane. But there's glory in the mundane. Listen to this. There's no reversing this road. The path that bore you here goes in one direction only. Every step drawing you down a way by which you will not return. 
You thought arrival was everything, that your entire journey ended with kneeling in the place you had spent all to find. And when you laid down your gift, release came with such ease, your treasure tumbling from your hands in awe and benediction. Now the knowledge of your leaving comes like a stone laid over your heart. The familiar path closed and not even the solace of a star to guide your way. You will set out in fear. You'll set out in dream. But you'll set out. But that other road that lies in shadow and in dark We cannot show you the route that will take you home. That way is yours and will be found in the walking. But we tell you, you will wonder at how the light you thought you had left behind goes with you, spilling from your empty hands, shimmering beneath your homeward feet, illuminating the road with every step you take. Lord, we would have our roads illumined. Speak to us directly, please, whenever you are willing. Until then, give us hearts that trust you as the controller and spirits that are hungry and thirsty for your word and your presence, whereby we will find life We'll find direction. We'll find the fruitfulness that we long for. In Jesus' name, amen. We're gonna receive an offering at this time. And as we do, because Christmas tide is, well, it's still alive, but we'll drift into epiphany and sing that one song that's mostly about the wise men, though it includes the shepherds a little bit. Um, the first the first Noel.